Thank you for taking time to listen to our service. We're happy you've joined us today. Visit NBCOcala.com to find out more about who we are as a ministry or get information about upcoming events. There you can also discover all the convenient ways to partner with us financially. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the service. Well, smile at somebody and then you may be seated tonight. Nine hundred and ninety-three. Nine hundred and ninety-three decisions for Christ in 2016 here in Meadowbrook. Ninety of those happened last Easter. That's about ten percent. Two weeks, we're a week from this coming Sunday. This week is Palm Sunday, and then the next week is Easter. And we have six opportunities, three on Saturday, 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 7 o'clock, and then on Sunday, 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 1 o'clock. And we're going to have wonderful music. We're going to, we're going to present the, the story and some aspects of uh, the resurrection. There's no way for us to make it more exciting but we're going to tell it well. And this is a perfect time. Hear me. Don't get just stuck in your deal that you forget that there are people that would come and hear the good news. This is the Super Bowl of Christianity. And I'm I'm believing for people to to receive a risen Savior into their life. Amen? Let me give you some other numbers from 2016. 271 baptisms during... 2016, 2,607 people went through growth track. Isn't that awesome? Who is it that we want to go through growth track? You're probably looking at that number and think, I don't think I'm the only one who has it, you know? So hop in there, hop in there. Um, we have a prayer team in the altar after every service. We had 580, 583 people that uh, we registered that received prayer in the altar, just coming up to pray for whatever. And can I tell you, after every service, say every service. After every service, we have folks up here ready to pray. It would just be wrong. I think it would just be wrong for you to come and then go out carrying a burden that you you could get somebody to agree with you in prayer. Um, Last Christmas, we had 10,700 people in attendance for Meadowbrook Christmas Live. 2016, we had four, over 1,400 people serving on the dream, t- dream Team. We did, uh, last fall, fill the bus. Over $20,000 you gave of school supplies. Was school supplies worth 20000 We had our Serve Week, and we had over 700 of you serving throughout our county during, during Serve Week. Amen. At Christmas, we do a thing called Christmas Blessing. We had 188 children who would otherwise would not have had Christmas. You provided Christmas for 188 kids. That's awesome. Also, our Meadowbrook men raised on their own, apart from everything else, $58,000. That went to... Uh, I went to our great grocery giveaway and um, 
Thanksgiving and Christmas for a lot of folks, including some of our widows and single moms. And then at Thanksgiving, we did a thing called Bags by the Bumper, and you gave 11,200 pounds of, of food. And then our men's brigade, and I'm proud of you guys, and, and we need some more guys to be involved in this, put in over 2,000 hours working on projects for widows and single parents, and I think that's a good thing. And then we have a small group called Streetlight. Streetlight fed 6,000 people, homeless people this past year. Amen. Come on, give God some praise for that. It's, it's just a blast to be a part of. Why do we give the numbers? Be- because, you know, people count. Numbers count. It's a way to measure what we get to be involved in. And it's awesome to be a part of, of all of that. Amen? Amen. Well, hey, I forgot to do this, but could we welcome our internet family tonight? Glad you're with us. God bless you. Peace to your house. Peace to your house. Well, um, I want to share the word with you tonight, and and I want to thank you for coming out for First Wednesday, and this is the first first, okay? This is the first first. Let me briefly say this. How many of you were with us last week? We have, remember we have fireworks? You remember that one? Okay. We're going to do it again tonight. I'm joking. I'm joking. I've had people say, can't we do that every week? I said, yeah, if you pay for it. We're glad to do it. Let me go ahead and tell you uh, ahead of time that um, every month when we do this, um, it's not going to be the same. There are going to be little, little things that we're going to do. Part of what we're wanting to do is resist regular. Amen. We want to resist regular. I don't want anything to get into some kind of rut or routine. We're going to resist regular. We're going to have a powerful time every time we come. I'm glad to have Next Gen in with us tonight. Next Gen, we're glad that you're here. Everybody clap. Yeah. And here's, here should be our full expectation, okay? Um, and I talked about it last week, that if we've done something for almost 28 years, and it was fruitful, it was awesome, it was comfortable, and then we've, we've determined that God is leading us to do something different, how does God do things? I believe it will be better. Y'all hear me? I believe it will be better. We have to trust that and we have to go into that. And um, I'm believing God to do some great, great things on our first Wednesday nights. Can we get one amen on that tonight? All right, good deal. Well, let's get into the word tonight. King David, y'all hear a boom, boom. I keep getting that. Do we know what that is? Can we find that out? Can we wrestle it to the ground? Okay. Okay. It's behind me somehow. That scares me. Y'all keep your eye out behind me, okay? All right, good deal. King David, do you remember King David? King David was, um, uh, King David messed up, y'all. But God still called him a, a man after God's heart. King David had such a, an incredible story, and there's a place in, in Bible history where King David, um, he's hiding He's hiding in Judah. He's hiding in caves part of the time down near the Dead Sea. Here's what happened. He had a son named Absalom. There was a lot of things that got messed up in in David's family along the way. And Absalom 
uh, withstood his father. He undermined his father, who was king, and he overthrew him. And so now David is, David is um, driven out like an enemy, and he's driven out into a dry place. And while he's out there, think about his emotions. First of all, my son turned against me. Think about the betrayal. Think about the fact that he's standing chance of losing his kingdom. Think of the conditions that he's in. He's used to the palace. Everybody say palace. He's used to the palace. And now think of the conditions that he is in. He is... He's in these caves. He's down by the the Dead Sea. And listen, the Dead Sea is called dead for a reason. There are no little Bambies going down to lap up water out of the Dead Sea. And it's a barren, barren place. And it's very arid, very, very dry. Less than two inches of rain all year long. And and you ready for this? For for two-thirds of the year, the average temperature down by the Dead Sea is 103 degrees. And so David is down in there, and he's in, a bad, he's in a bad place. But then we look in Psalm 63, Psalm 63, verse 1, and David says this, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Here's what I want you to see. He's in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Keep that in mind. Let me read a story to you. In 1996, a young Marine corporal named Joey Mora was standing on a platform of an aircraft carrier patrolling the Iranian Sea. Incredibly, somehow, he fell overboard. His absence was not known for 36 hours. A search and rescue mission began but was given up after another 24 hours. No one could survive in the sea without a life jacket after 60 hours. His parents were notified that he was missing and presumed dead. The rest of the story is one of those truth is stranger than fiction events. Script writers would have passed this up as not believable. But four Pakistani fishermen found Joey Mora after about 72 hours after he had fallen from the aircraft carrier. He was treading water in his sleep. He was clinging to a makeshift flotation device made from his trousers, a skill learned in most military survival training. He was delirious when they pulled him into their fishing boat. His tongue was dry and cracked, and his throat was parched. Just about two years later, he spoke with Stone Phillips of NBC Night, Night, or Dateline. What a name, Stone Phillips. I got called Tim Gilligan. <laughs> he spoke with Stone Phillips of NBC Dateline. He recounted an unbelievable story of a will to live and survival. He would not give up. He said it was God who kept him struggling to survive. His discovery by the fishermen makes searching for a needle in a haystack a piece of cake. The most excruciating thing of all, Joey said that the one thought that took over his body and pounded in his brain was water. Water. So we've got David, King David, in a dry 
and thirsty land. We've got this sailor surrounded, get this, surrounded by water, but not water that does him any good at all. Water that is eating away at every part of him every minute that he stays in it. And the thing he needed most was water to refresh himself. And there was no water there to be found. And then we go to King Solomon. Everybody say Solomon. Solomon was wealthy. He was wise. He had so much that even the the queen of Sheba came to visit And she said, there's no place like this on the earth. He had everything that he wanted, everything anyone could desire. People came and just brought him more because he had so much. There was something magnetic about it all. He had such power. He had so many servants. His wisdom did start to erode. He ended up with 700 concubines and over 200 wives. He didn't think that one through. Because that means 200 mother-in-laws. Sorry, that's an old church joke. I have a mother-in-love, and I'm a blessed guy. I truly am. But, But look what happens here. He had access to anything, everything, and anyone that he wanted. But look in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Solomon says, anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure, anything I wanted. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything, everybody say everything. Everything. As I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless. Like chasing the wind, there was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. You've got David, no water. You've got the sailor surrounded by water, but not any kind that was going to help him. You've got King Solomon has everything. It's kind of like all that water around him. But at the end of the day, he ended up what? Empty. Repeatedly in this book of Ecclesiastes, it talks about vanity, vanity. And what the vanity means is it is just empty. There's nothing in it. And in our world today, people are chasing after everything, 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 trying to find something. And they're going to find out that it's just vanity. Listen to this. Here's the problem. We are thirsty in our soul. David was thirsty in his soul. This sailor was thirsty physically. Solomon ended up having everything, everything to partake of, every, everything to choose from, and he ends up thirsty in his soul. And you know what happens when you get thirsty physically? You get tired, you get dizzy, you get disoriented, you, you get headachy, your, your heart slows, your organs fail, you can't keep up, you can't function, you can't concentrate. And that's what happens physically. What happens to us when we get thirsty in our soul? 
kind of the same thing happens when we're thirsty in our in our soul. If you're following me, just bobbed your head just a little bit. I need to, need to know that you're here. Uh, you're not there. All right, bob your head. If you uh, okay, good deal. Now listen to this. You can get the job, you can buy the thing, you can meet the person, you can go to the place, you can close the sale, you can win the deal, you can have the stuff, you can make the move, and it's like the song, and you can end up, and I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Still thirsty in our soul. Or you can be betrayed, you can get hurt, you can be overlooked, You can feel like you're invisible. You can feel overwhelmed with life. You can make mistakes. You can mess up. Things can happen in your life that kind of drive you out to that dry place. And you end up thirsty in your soul. This, listen, there is nothing. Say nothing. Nothing. Think about planet Earth. Think about the United States. Think about Florida. Think about Marion County. Think about Ocala or wherever you live in our community. Think about your street. Think about your home. There is nothing. There is nothing on this planet that can quench that thirst. This is, hear me, this is a dry and thirsty land. We're swimming in the ocean, so big that we can hardly be found in such a big ocean, but it can't quench our thirst. We are such a a privileged people. We have so much available to us. Why do we see our celebrities and our rich people? Why do we see them so miserable? They can't stay married. They, they end up dying young. They abuse themselves. They're in and out of treatment. We watch all of these things. Why is it? Because all of these things they have available to them and they still end up, can't find what I'm looking for and there's a thirst in their soul. And guess what? There's over 330,000 churches across the United States. And I would tell you, though, that there's still a lot of people inside those buildings and they're thirsty in their soul. And I'm going to go ahead and say it tonight. And I think this is an awesome church. I'm so proud and happy and excited about what Jesus is doing at Meadowbrook Church. But I would say even tonight, right here, probably within arm reach of every one of us, there's people that are thirsty in your soul. You're thirsty in your soul. And what do we do? What do we do about this? Because there's nothing, nothing on this planet. This is a dry and thirsty land. There is no water. Now think about this. And this is the caution. You can try other things to fill. You can try other things to to satisfy, to quench that thirst. And did you know that sometimes, think about physically. Physically, you can be so thirsty and say, I I think I'm going to drink this. And you find something to drink. And you know some things that you would drink, even some sports drinks, will only make you more thirsty. Did you know there's other things that you could drink when you're so thirsty and they will make you sick? You know, we like to watch some of these survival shows on TV. And one of the first things that they're trying to do is find water. But they find water and and still sometimes they go, we can't drink this water just as it is. We can't drink it because... Because it might have things we can't see in it, and they end up getting sick. So we're thirsty. Everybody is thirsty. But, but what 
what do we do about this? This is, this is the thing. We must know what it is that we're actually thirsty for. If we can locate that first of all. See, sometimes, you know, if I only had more money, if I only had that relationship, if, if I only could go there, if I could only hang out with those folks, you know, then that, that would feel. If I could only get that award, if I could only get that degree, if I could only do this. And I'm telling you what, you can get all of those things. And if the main thing is missing there, you're still, you're still going to be thirsty. You're still going to be empty. We're going to be like Solomon. We're going to be like the sailor in the middle of the ocean. We're going to be like David in the caves down by the Dead Sea. So look with me, if you will, in Psalm 42. And David gives us some insight here. He said, as the deer pants for streams of water, the deer is thirsty. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. Verse 2 my soul thirst for God. Will you read that with me? My soul thirst for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? There's your question. Where can I go and meet with God? David, the same guy who's down by the, by the Dead Sea, he's saying this. He said, my soul is panting. My soul is so thirsty. He say, my soul thirsts for God. My soul thirsts for the living God. Everybody look at me right now. If there's thirst in you, you are thirsting for the living God. You have to know what it is. Have you ever craved something before? Have you ever stood in front of the refrigerator or the pantry and go, I need something sweet? I remember as a kid, now my mom would kill me when she caught me doing this. But it's like, I need chocolate. I need sweet. I need something. And I'd sneak in and open up the refrigerator and there was a can. There was in metal cans back there with a dark brown label on it and a plastic thing that stuck on top. Hershey's syrup. Can I get an amen on that one? And it had two little triangular marks on top because that's how you open those things. How many of you are old school with me, all right? Perfect. Peel that little rubber top off. Look around. (laughs) And I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And now I need something salty. (laughs) So you dive into the pantry, you dive into the cookie jar and find some crackers or something and run out and eat some more stuff. Are you all with me? And it's like, what is that? I'm craving something. And it shifts. I seem to satisfy the one thing and then I need something else. And so, hey, we need to know what it is that's going to quench this thirst. Yes, pursue progress. Yes, be a lifelong learner. Yes, go to places. Expose yourself to greatness, experience things, travel, meet people, uh, all of those things. Make your relationships awesome. But I'm telling you, you can get all of that. But that's not the, the thing that is missing that's causing you to thirst. My soul thirsts for God. Say it. My soul thirsts for God. Everybody look at me again. That's what you need. That's what you're after. God, notice what he says, for the living God. 
It's not some dead God. It's not some religion. It's not just some church stuff. It's not some denominational whatever. It's not some holy club we join. This is the living God that you have relationship with. Go with me, if you would, to John chapter 7. On the last day, that great day of the feast, everybody say the feast. I'm not even going to go into it all right now. But they would gather together, and there was so much ritual, so much ritual. And they would go, and they would draw these bowls of water out of this pool, and they would take it, and they would pour it on this other thing, and they would have a little parade, and they would go through all these motions, and it was highly prescribed. There was a total order and orthodoxy of how this had to happen exactly, and everybody would stand where they should and say what they needed to say and do all the right things and go through it all, and everybody had to be there. And you know what it was? It was ritual. Say ritual. Ritual, ritual will, not, will not satisfy. Jesus is standing watching. Look at this. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out to all these people stuck in ritual. And he said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Verse 38. He who believes in me As the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Look in John chapter 4. Jesus is at a well. And there's a woman. And the woman, she has lived wrong. Everybody say lived wrong. So you got ritual and then you've got lived wrong. Why did anybody live wrong? Did they decide, listen to me, did they decide I'm going to go live wrong so I can mess myself up? I'm going to go do things wrong so I can ruin my relationships and, and, and damage myself? Did anybody decide to do that, that that was their goal? No, they were trying to find something that filled. There was something missing. There was a thirst in this woman that, that, that and I won't go into all of her story right now, but she was thirsting, and she's still thirsty. And Jesus said to her, whoever drinks of this water, because she's drawing water for him out of a well, whoever drinks of this water that you're giving me will thirst again. Verse 14. But whoever drinks from the water that I shall give will never thirst. But the water that I shall give will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus is saying this, and he's saying it to all of us tonight. Say, that's me. He's saying this tonight. If you're thirsty, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. Jesus is saying that. Jesus is saying, come to me and drink. Now listen to me. Don't make this what it is not. I've I've seen services, I've been in services before, where then we go through some kind of motions of, how do we drink? And it can get off. Understand this. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. And ultimately, it just means this. Come to, come to Jesus. Well, how do, I, how do I come to Jesus and drink? Just think it out with me. He said, come to me. Everybody say, come to me. So if you're thirsty, this is what you do. If you're thirsty, this is what you do. You come to him. How, well, how do you come to him? You do this. You line up single file across the front of the church. You have to join a class. 
You have to send in $50 a month. No, what do you do? You come to him. How do you do that? How do you come to him? Here's, here's what you do. You draw near. You seek him. You go to his house. Be with his people. Get into his word. Sing his songs. Listen to his songs. Call out to him. Wait for him. Tell him, Lord, I'm right here. Get up in the morning. Stay up at night. Get away from some folks during the day. Come to him. Just let him know. Signal to him somehow. I'm thirsty. I'm looking for you. And he said, he who comes to me and believes, look at this, believe. It's kind of synonymous. It's kind of understood. This is kind of prerequisite for all. It just means trust. Everybody say trust. I just think somewhere along the way, God, I'm thirsty. You've got to admit it. I'm thirsty. I need more than religion. I need more than ritual. And I've messed things up and this and that. And I've had that and that does not fill. And I can't seem to get there. And I can't seem to quench this thirst. And you've got to know what that thirst is. It's Jesus. Amen. It's the living God. That's, what, that's who you need. So come to him in the ways that I said and signal to him, I'm, I'm coming to you. And then say to him, I trust you. Just practice it. Say, I trust you. I dare you, I triple dog dare you to just show up in a place in the morning or at night or somewhere and get alone and, and just say, God, I'm seeking you. I'm so thirsty for you and I trust you. I dare you. And I'm telling you what, he will show up. Now, let me say this before I finish tonight. Don't wait until you feel thirsty. Now, hear me on this. We've come together tonight, and all praise and honor goes to Jesus. But I'm telling you what, our worship team tonight led us to some water tonight. They led us to some water. And if you drank of the water tonight, you kind of... Ah, it's refreshing, amen? amen? Or if you stood here tonight like, I don't know why they use red lights. <laughs> or, that song was a little fast. That was for the youngsters. <laughs> You're not drinking. Amen. We're family. I said we're family. Amen. We're generations. We're family. So don't stand all those things. Just say, Jesus, I come to drink. I come to drink of you. I, and, and, but this is the thing. Tonight, I feel, I feel refreshed. I pray that you do. But listen, don't wait until you thirst again. Don't wait until you get thirsty to drink. I did a little research. Baylor uh, College of Medicine and the great Cleveland Clinic have studies that show this, that if you wait until you feel thirsty, you have begun to dehydrate. You're late to the game when you feel thirsty. The instant you start to feel thirsty, you are now 2 to 3% dehydrated. Don't wait. Don't wait till I'm feeling thirsty and I'm starting to ah, spiritually till your soul is kind of feeling parched. Don't wait for that. 
David, let's go back to where we started, Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. Don't feel bad for David. I'm in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. But I know how to get quenched. What was it that David thirsted for? It was God's presence and God's favor. It's the same thing you're thirsty for. And if you have God's presence and God's favor, seek him what? Early. It also means earnestly. It also means diligently. But it definitely means in the Old Testament Hebrew, early or first. You say, I work the night shift. I can't get up early. Then do it first. Do it first. I, I begin my day with a bow. I begin my day with a huge gulp of God. Begin and just declare to him, you're God and I'm not. You made me. I didn't make myself. You take care of me because you care for me. I'm the sheep of your pasture. I'm yours. This day is yours. And he will fill you. You don't always get goosebumps. But something happens in your soul. I can't start a day without that. And if I ever do, because you stay up too late, you do this, push snooze three more times. Would you like to push snooze three more times and start your day thirsty? Start your day with your eye makeup all crooked because you're, I'm running late. I got, I got no time for anything. <laughs> or should we start it out with what we're really thirsty for? Because otherwise, when you're thirsty and you don't know what you're thirsty for, be careful because the other things you might try to quench that thirst. Let me tell you what you're thirsty for. You're thirsty for God. You're thirsty for the living God. Come to him. Trust him. He'll fill you. And don't wait till you're thirsty. Day after day. And if you need to, take a break during the day. You know, people take, and I'm not putting anybody down for this. It's not a house of condemnation. I wish you'd be free. But some people take smoke breaks. Why? I've got this craving. I, I got to go. I got to go. I got I to get this. And you know what? I pray you get free. I really do. Think the money you'll save. Think how much better you'll feel. And old to be free and not have something control you. But you know what? What are you craving, all of us? We're craving the living God. Amen. Did you get anything at all out of this tonight? Now. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.